You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl, and hi, and welcome to Episode 71 of the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris, and Bob could not join us for the New York Library Association trade show and conference up in Saratoga, New York. So this episode's going to be actually in three parts. Uh, the first part is going to be with Cameron and Melissa Tidd and Baron Angel from the Goshen area, and they are going to give us an update on what's been happening in the past year up in Goshen and Florida Library. Our second segment will be with David Jank the dean of the Long Island University Palmer School of Library and Information Science. And our third segment is going to have Sally Stiglitz from the Long Island Library Resources Council, along with Tim Spindler, who's the director of LORIC, and also from Syracuse University, Jill Hurst-Wall, and also from the podcast T is for Training. So one thing we have to say before the episodes launch is that we did have some microphone issues, so I've done my best at engineering and trying to pull out audio that did not sound great because Chris did a wonderful job in not recognizing his mute button being pressed for some of the recordings. So I did my best engineering it to try to get the audio sounding good, but we're apologizing for the audio quality, and I hope you enjoy these three episodes. So we're going to begin with this first segment with Cameron and Melissa Tidd and Baron Angel. I since got my master's degree in library and information science from Syracuse University. And within like two to three months, I actually got my first librarian job at, at SUNY Orange as an academic librarian, which ironically, well, I mean, I'm still at the Goshen Library, but um, never thought I'd get an academic library job. But I had actually gotten an internship early in 2019 from SUNY Orange. And actually, it was actually it was a wonderful experience. So and then a job came up and it was pretty much my job to lose, basically. So, yeah, because they were like, oh, did you apply for it? So, uh, so I mean, I'm basically, you know, at the reference desk helping students like with their research, um, you know, and also like with their like technical issues. And also we teach uh, library instruction for, let's say, for example, if English 101 students wanted to come in, um, the teacher would bring them in for us to teach them how to use like the databases and what kind of sources we have for their assignment. We usually get an idea of what their assignment is ahead of time. And then we, you know, show them the research based on that topic. We do do libguides, yes. Um, I've I've actually helped edit some libguides. I haven't actually done one yet on my own, but I have edited some, so I have, you know, started to dabble in that. And also, I also took upon a project where I was going over the existing libguides to make sure all the links worked. And sure enough, there have been, you know, links like since, you know, since, since like maybe the last time it was done that maybe have the domain was you know sold so we try so we're just trying to update it just to make sure all the links work yeah well the goshen library has another big update That's true. The, library, the other library i work at has an update Let's tell you about that. so yeah baron and i both uh, still work at the goshen library as well and on june 24th we opened our brand new library building um june to november we've had probably about a thousand new library cards made so I'm still not a librarian, <laughs> <laughs> still a software engineer, but some pretty exciting things have been going on in a library. My hometown is Port Jervis, and they recently had their very first PJ Fan Fest. So that's a convention that they had, Comic-Con, 
and 915 people show up for the very first one and we help plan it and I helped get a guest, Michelle Knott. She's the voice actress of Jesse in Pokemon, among other characters. I basically was her handler of sorts for that convention, and it was very awesome to see. And conventions are pretty good events for libraries, I think, because libraries want to serve the community, and it's all about media. It's all about pop culture, getting together, enjoying, you know, all that sort of thing, so I thought it was a great fit, and it was great to see. And it's also worth mentioning that with the event of that new grocery library building, that Cameron is now one of our computer assistance volunteers on the weekends. He's been helping out maybe with the patrons and accessing the public computers and helping their devices and things of that. So yes, I technically volunteer at a library now. And there was a another conference I went to, the very first Hudson Valley Tech Festival, and there was a panel there from actually someone who presented Ann Isla today, his name's Casey Conlon, talking about how librarians and tech are intertwined and how the future of the library is happening, which we talked about the last time we were here and how we should get excited about that marriage between the two. So that was fascinating to see. You know, I, I didn't expect libraries to pop up at that, but they did. So we had a number of uh, public feedback sessions so that we could get as many different aspects of the public from the schools to business owners to parents to you know, any of the groups that are out there that wanted to help us analyze our five year plan to determine you know, what we're going to do for the next, or hope to do for the next five years. And I think it was a very good success. We got a lot of great feedback from. Um, I thought, well, I'm the overall librarian and uh, program coordinator for Florida, I have a focus on teen services, and we got some good feedback from a number of local teens regarding some of the programming we wanted to see that we might be able to help provide to them, so that was really a big help. And uh, I think we had a lot of great feedback from the public on the fact that we're not sure in terms of time frame and ability, but there really seems to be a lot of desire to renovate and expand our library building forward as well due to an increased usage to do the fact that it is a rather small space right now. So the hope between that and very positive feedback from local lawmakers and the mayor, the hope is that we can maybe at some point in the next few years work out the possibility to make something happen. Uh, something that I'm not sure if um, Baron had heard about this, but at our last uh, staff meeting at Goshen, um, my boss had revealed that yeah, we have another local library nearby, Montgomery Library, and their library is, you know, a nice small little library. But apparently their library card usage, or registration rather, has also increased because they've wanted to come to Goshen to use our library. So not only is Goshen's registration going up, but Montgomery's is as well. So, yeah. So, and then we even have people from like uh, Washingtonville that, you know, they live in, like we, there's a town, Campbell Hall, that's both Goshen and either Goshen or Washingtonville School District, but they seem to want to 
you know, come to... overlap in the system, in the, uh, because it's all in the realm of the Catskill library system, but there's some overlap in the specific districts, because some libraries operate on school district boundaries, but others are on municipality boundaries, so they don't quite line up, so there are some people who might live, you know, right up the street from the local library, but because of where the line is, they happen to be in, in Washington or whatever, so uh, a lot of them will get closer elsewhere, but then still come to the new library in the coast, so that's going to be... No. No, they, they would only get, like, where, uh, depending on what their home library is, either, um, like, if it's a school district library, it's where the school district is, or, like, as Barron said, the municipality, it's where the town is. But they can still, if they're within the Rampo Catskill library system, they can use it at Goshen. Yeah. yeah. They're in the system, the card works at any library in the system. Many of our 47 libraries, so that's uh, really, that's why we don't get people to get cards, because it's great if they're traveling around the area, whatever, they can go to any library, they can check out any library, any library, any library, any library like that. So that's really a big help. Um, so, yeah, like I said, because we do have a lot of people that like to come to the Goshen Library and might live just over there in another area, they can get that card and then come to us. And that's, uh, that's, that's really good. We see that sometimes down in, uh, in Florida as well. People might have a card from the Warwick area or the Chester area, but they come to the Florida Library because it's close. Uh, like I said, we have three out a little bit of Ulster counties in our system. But um, we also, I don't know if you guys do SEAL, uh, but we always get things from the library systems from uh, the Southeastern access to libraries. I guess if we had that, so we can um, make the most cut off just north of the city then. But um, it's basically a system where we can get materials not just from uh, public library systems like Randall Catskill and Mid Hudson, but also school library systems, SUNY schools, college libraries, medical libraries, all libraries, whatever they're going to loan. And that really expands the ability of the system to interlibrary library materials to the patrons that need them. Um, and reciprocate as well. The public library system typically library a lot, interlibrary a lot of items, for example, to the correctional facilities and areas. So it's really a great network that lets us get materials where they need to be without everybody having to pay for their own materials. Yes. So tell me, Melissa, what's been the biggest challenge? Well, the te- teaching, <laughs> the library instruction, I mean, I, yeah. Um, I mean, I have had tutoring experience before. That's been more one-on-one. I mean, I'll admit, like, the first uh, the first time I was teaching a class, I mean, you know, you had your first day jitters and stuff. But, um, but, but no, everyone was, you know, very supportive. And, I, you know, you get to meet, you get to meet the, your fe- the fellow instructors, too. And, um, I mean, I used to work in admissions, so now I'm actually matching names with faces, you know, because, you know, now that I'm in the library. But, um, but no, the, the students are, you know, they, they want to do a good job. They want to succeed. And just, and they, you can tell that they appreciate, you know, when you, when you want to help them and you try to help them. So ultimately that, you know, helped with my jitters knowing that you know they were able to they basically you know understand what you want to say um you know you just just have to learn to you just have to learn to pace yourself (laughs) because you know because if you get nervous it's like if you might want to rush it like only because you're so nervous you don't want to mess up but no once you you know pace yourself and then you get a good rhythm then it's been i've done three classes so far and by the third class, it, I felt better about it. So, um, so basically, uh, like basically, what what databases are and how they're good, you know, compared to Google. I mean, of course, you know, Google can give you a lot of results, but maybe not the most accurate results. Whereas databases, we pay for these databases, and these data and some of these databases have peer reviewed articles, which are reviewed by multiple experts in the field, depending on what the database is. So you would. 
you know, have an idea, okay, this should be a good source for my assignment and all that. And also how to navigate our, uh, our website as a whole, because we actually just had a, like, a, I guess we had our website redone. So we were just showing them, you know, how to look for certain books. Um, uh, we have books, ebooks, again, the databases, we have articles, we also we have, I think we have like a, da- a New York Times database or some newspaper databases as well. So, yeah, so basically, basically how to do it. Now, and also in these databases, you can actually email the articles to yourself. So it basically show them, oh, um, you know, here you can email it to yourself. It actually tells you how to cite the article. Here's APA. Here's MLA. Yes. And also how to search for them because, you know, like in Google where you'll want to write out the whole question, like what is the definition of blah, 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 blah. But in a database, they don't want you using so many words because you may get results that you might not need so try to limit it a little bit so i'm um, trying to think of a good a good example but um let's say uh, i can't think of a good example <laughs> off the top of my head but um like let's say you want to look up li- libraries in okay how about libraries in new york state if like in google you may say how many libraries are in new york state but you may not want you don't want to put that in your search in your search you may want to put libraries and and, you know, it, it's not really case sensitive, but I know if you put it in caps, that might help. Libraries and New York, New York or New York State. So I try to lessen the search a little bit. So and, I, and it's been a good learning experience for me as well. De- definitely. So, I mean, I've just been I've just been happy with, uh, you know, getting my degree and, you know, getting the job, um, you know, among some others. Those were like the big big stories for me this year. Um, I went to the Syracuse University booth over here in the trade show and I was saying to Blythe, I was like, Syracuse will always hold a warm place in my heart, <laughs> you know, because it was really a, a great experience. Actually, a, um, a friend of ours, the, of the three of ours, actually was just appointed director of the Livingston Manor Library and they're going to pay for his master's degree and I said to Blythe, maybe I'll swing him that way. <laughs> so, you know... But, um, you know, so definitely some good news in the library field. And, you know, and also, with, you know, with Goshen, you know, I mean, the programming use has been astronomical. I mean, we have a big program room now. So we can because in the old building, you, you can only fit like 14 people in the room. Now you can fit 100. And the room was downstairs. So you couldn't fit anybody who was different in that room. And now it's right in the front door. It's accessible. The popularity is absolutely right. I, you guys don't actually know this, but I'll tell you now. I've actually been exchanging a couple of emails from my supervisors and coach, and I wrote a video game club there, which is generally aimed at ages 12 or 13 and up. And I was actually been uh, speaking to my boss by email the last couple of days. He told me that there was some patrons coming in, and uh, we'd right now do it once a month, and they've been asking for a few more frequently, so we're thinking that for January and fall, we might have video game club twice a month, instead of oh. once a month. So hmm. a lot of requests to have that more frequently. We normally probably hook up a Nintendo Switch and then can play that. But I might expand it. It's going to be a little frequently. We're going to have to keep it. We're going to have things. That's the same. And also, Goshen just added um, circulating, like, in NES and the... Um, a couple of the... Um, <laughs> Nintendo, in the last couple of years, released some miniature versions of their old 80s and 90s consoles, the NES and the SNES. And eventually, they come preloaded with... Um, you know, my kids are going to present. 
Yeah, Nintendo released in the last couple of years miniature versions of their consoles, the NES and the SNES, and they come preloaded with a variety of games from that era, about 30 games on the NES and about 20 on the SNES. And it comes the controller, which is the HDMI plug in it, and you can play the games, and they're not expensive, they're 60 to $80 each, and they circulate great. We have them in both Goshen and Florida, and they're very, very popular. And I think that's something great that we've been able to do with that. Speaking of games, that does remind me of the other thing we uh, instituted in Florida is we added a circulating board game here, actually. And that's also made me very popular since we put that out as well. Um, we have about 14 games, and uh, most of them have gone out fairly regularly. There's a few that haven't gone out as much, so I'll keep an eye on that. Maybe we'll change a few out, but it's definitely been something that's worth having. A lot of people have been noticing it and checking the games out. I think that's been a, a great service we've been able to add. Oh, well, we, well, Cameron and I just came from the data-driven collection management uh, panel, which uh, that was what our friend, uh, our friend Casey had held. Talked about, you know, you know, like in general, like circulating statistics and how to like look up the reports and all that. How to. And since I deal with data a lot, I actually could understand a lot of what they were talking about. So <laughs> I wasn't lost. <laughs> Cameron and I also, um, before that panel, attended a, I guess, a panel, so to speak, but it was showing a documentary. Um, what was it called? Resilience. Oh, resilience. Basically about how, um, well, like, they kind of, I mean, they geared it toward every, like, you know, adults and children, but they were talking also about children and how, you know, children early on, depending on certain factors that they can be, like, really stressed and being with how young they are, you might not know how stressed they are. So it's just a matter of, you know, making kids comfortable and, you know, talking about how they're feeling. It's all about adverse childhood experiences and how there are studies in the 90s that the more of them you have, the more likely you are to have disease later in life or any number of things happen to you, depression, suicide, etc. So Heart disease. Heart disease. And the whole shift between... Instead of asking people, what's wrong with you, saying, what happened to you, what's really struck me, because you know, we should be trying to tackle the heart of the problem and really prevent it from actually happening as early as we possibly can by supporting children before things spiral. So and, it really hit me. Yeah, and unfortunately, some of these kids with these like traumas happening to them, some of them may think that these traumas are normal, so they don't say anything. But like hoping that the schools can maybe like step up and say, you know, what is going on? Like what happened? You know, this is what should happen. This is what shouldn't happen. So hope you know, hopefully that schools can maybe incorporate that into their curriculum. Or some kind of program, so you know these so these kids are not, you know, secretly like stressed, holding it inside until it's too late. Mm. Um, I was at the uh, the youth services section meeting uh, a little while ago, and um, uh, they initially made some amendments to their bylaws to adjust the number of directors and how they were titled to better organize things. But they also had uh, wonderful. Uh, they also had author George O'Connor, who is uh, known for writing picture books and graphic novels, namely his graphic novel series Olympians, which was the final book of the coming out soon, and he the preview. And uh, I was very drawn to hear about um, his inspiration, how he went from uh, working in a book school to then writing picture books. Um, 
he told a great story about how working in that bookstore one day, he had show so much to me, he was just there. And that was pretty cool, he talked about it. He, he told this great story, he said, show seriously gave him this great advice, because he was telling me, I want to follow you. <laughs> and he's like, that's a good advice. But uh, yeah, it, it was really important to see his process for drawing and how he puts it together, works the publisher things. So that was a really informative presentation, and I like that a lot. Um, also, I would be remiss if I did not take a moment to uh, pick the Pop Culture Roundtable. Uh, they had their tribute, their game night last night, which was for the Century Owner Over Tribute Contest. We came in fourth. Uh, but it was a really good variety of trivia in all different areas of pop culture. It was here in Bistro in the hotel. And it was a lot of people there, so it was definitely very popular. I'm glad that that's gained traction. Uh, I know the new president, uh, Alexander, is looking to uh, evaluate how to run that event next year. Maybe to be up on certain circuits and things being thrown around. But if you like pop culture at all, if you like comics, if you like TV movies, um, if you're into any kind of you know, nerdy or pop culture related stuff, uh, you know, games, board games, video games, anything like that. Join the Pop Culture Roundtable. It's $10 and it's worth it. We have a Facebook page that we hang out on and we discuss pop culture related stuff. We have great events every year. This year the Roundtable is sponsoring a handle on pop culture programs for adults. I think the title on that one. And then we also have the one that <laughs> what the panels are. Hmm. But there's three panels that the roundtable is sponsoring here. This is the one about academic programs? Yeah, that, there's an academic program one that we're sponsoring. Yeah, that was, uh, that's, that's today. I don't know if that was four, four o'clock. Yeah, that's what's coming up at four o'clock. But uh, a lot of great programs. And then tonight, the Pop Culture Roundtable is co-sponsoring the Nilo uh, member meet and greet, which will be here in the Beast Drawn. We're going to be uh, hosting board game demos, which we'll be doing at our windfall day. We'll be continuing that to show off board games that are really great for programs and libraries for a variety of age groups, and that's really something we want to get across, is the way things like games and comics can be used in libraries, but it's traditionally not always the first thing people consider when they think about libraries. They've always been a little bit down upon. So we're really trying to rectify that and really you know, show how pop culture can be easily used in libraries. I mean, for example, for example, I, um, about a month ago or so, I actually went to, uh, the Portland Branch Library in Poughkeepsie because they hosted a 90s escape room. That was a really cool way to, uh, to you know, appeal to you know, my kind of generational area and really bring that pop culture into the library. And they, had, they did three sessions at night and they had tons of people. It was a big success. So that's the kind of thing we really want to promote is, hey, you know, pop culture will bring people into your library, you know, especially the generation of millennials that are now growing up that are now in our 30s. You know, we will, you know, that generation will come to those kind of programs and even other pop culture that will appeal to, appeal to the younger generations. Um, it's the same way I run the video game program out at Goshen. It, it, it appeals to that generation. It's you know 12, 13 and up, so we get some younger kids, but we also get some in our age group, so it's a great variety. And it really helps, you know, something that interests people to get them into the library, and then you can show them all the other wonderful things the library has to offer that they may not know about. I mean, libraries are forever evolving, so, you know, time's changing. <laughs> Oh, thank you for having us. Well, it was fun. Us. Yeah, that's thank you. Yeah, I was always, always wonderful to be here. Thanks, Chris. Thanks again. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, thank you. We have come to the end of another episode of The Library Pros, and we thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments on this or any episode, click on the Contact Us form on our website, thelibrarypros.com. Visit us on Twitter at The Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelibrarypros. Don't forget to tell a friend or colleague 
and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to our podcasting engineer, Dean Meyer. Remember, the opinions stated by the library pros and their guests are solely those of Chris and Bob and are not those of the Sachem Public Library, the MS Clark Memorial Library, or any other library. See you next time. You've been listening to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippet Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Krista Christofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachin Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch.